0: Hey there, this is John Swan, and I'm your host today for this special bonus edition of The Hive Jive. This bonus episode is brought to you by Rickett B. Oh, look what's coming. It's like, it's a dark cloud of doom. It is. What are those? Are those, are those birds? No,
1: they're bees, huh? Run. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about is swarms. That's right. You've had to run in with a swarm yes, before. Yes, I have. On the boat one time, I was on Lake Buchanan. I am a striper guide. I was on Lake Buchanan, and I had a load of customers, and we're sitting out in the middle of the lake, and uh, all of a sudden, I noticed bees were coming around my console and I look up and it's just like what you was, was talking about. There was a cloud of bees headed and they were coming to the boat and I'm hollering at the guys. I says, pull your reels in. I said, don't even pull. Here, I just run around the boat, cut all the lines, let them, you know, just let everything fall to the bottom. Run up, pulled up <laughs> Hell, I think I cut the anchor ropes even and just said, we're out of here because there was a swarm of bees. Apparently, the queen had landed on the boat to rest and the swarm was coming to the boat and they were landing on the boat. Yeah. They were landing on top of my T-top and I'm sitting there, hey, we don't need this. Yeah, that that is actually just about everybody's gut reaction mm-hmm. is, oh my God, head
0: for the hills, run for your life. Um I actually got called out to go catch a swarm off of the side of a church, and the size of the swarm (laughs) was about the same size as their stained glass rosary window. It was huge, and it's on the side of the building, and um, it was an emergency call. So, like, my truck always has everything stocked in it, but as for me, I was in flip-flops, yoga shorts, and a tank top. And uh, it's kind of like the whole going out in cowboy boots and shorts, but I didn't even have the cowboy boots on. And I get out there, and we we just got the ladder out and leaned it up against the building, and the whole swarm starts taking off. And there's, like, this small audience in the parking lot of the church, and as the swarm comes off the building, it swoops down over the parking lot. People start screaming and, like, diving into vehicles and running for their lives. And here you got this fool, me, in shorts, flip-flops, and a tank top, walking through the middle of them, and I follow them out across about a football field's length out into a cemetery where they landed again. Uh And they were all like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. The swarm actually, like, yes, it looks terrifying. Mm-hmm. It sounds terrifying. That is the most docile the bees will ever be. Because they're following the queen. Well, no, she's in the middle of it. They're following okay. the scouts that know where the house is. But they have they have no home. They have So there's no home to guard. There's right. no food to guard. There's no babies to guard. Their one purpose in life at that point is to find a new place to live. And they only have about three days to do it. So you're irrelevant. And as long as you don't, like spray stuff on them, swat them, things like yeah. that. You can stand there, you can like I walked right through the middle of them and followed them. They will ignore you entirely unless you do something to provoke them. So,
1: what is a swarm? Why are
0: they doing it? So, okay, that that dark cloud of impending doom, <laughs> the yeah. swarm itself is actually Um, It is the reproductive split of the colony. So when the queen lays an egg, that's kind of like a cellular reproduction, right? She's making new cells inside the body of this organism, right? Yeah. Well, when the colony does a swarm, that's the organism's version of reproducing. It splits the entire organism in half and creates two organisms. And when it does that, that new organism then goes off to find a new place to set up a colony and create a new hive. And so that is actually on, like, the highest level of it. That's what a swarm is. It is the reproductive split of the colony. And the whole point of it is to go out and select a new home. Now, when they do that, you get into the marvel of how bees work and, like, how intelligent they are for an insect Mm -hmm. because that group of bees— um, if you go through and you read the book uh, Honeybee Democracy, mm-hmm. it talks in there a lot about how a swarm cluster of bees is roughly 10 to 15,000 bees, mm-hmm. which is almost the same equivalent as neurons inside your brain. And those each little individual bee Mm -hmm. has a very tiny bit of information about its surroundings or about what it's done. But it brings that back to that swarm cluster. And all of those little bees are just like all of the little neurons firing. And you put all those tiny bits of information together and you end up with this thing that can make very educated decisions as a whole, as a group. So they send out scouts. Then when they first leave the colony, mm-hmm. they go out and they form what's called a bivouac mm-hmm. And they ball up in this living cluster of bees, and then they'll send out scouts. And those scouts go and they look for new home sites. Those home sites, they have specific dimensions of what they're looking for. And it's roughly, in uh, U.S. measurements, it is roughly 10 gallons. In the other system, I want to say it's 40 liters is kind of the volume of what they're looking for. And they want a opening that is towards the bottom and they want it to be three inches or less in diameter. And the bee, a single bee, will actually go visit the site. They go in and out the entrance. They walk around and actually physically measure the space. And when they've done research on it and they've recorded the bees... They actually go in and map out what they've done, and mm. by the time the bee is done, it has touched every bit of surface area inside that. It's measured it all out. It knows if there's any obstacles. It knows what the surface is, if they're slick, if they're not, if they can attach comb to it. And then it takes that information back to the colony, and it does the dance. And it tells the other bees through the dance the quality of it, the location of it, and and if it's good enough Other bees will go check it out. And it becomes this voting system where they go back and forth and back and forth. And that one bee turns into 20 bees, turns into 50 bees, turns into 100 bees. And eventually they reach a quorum and they decide, out of all the locations we found, this one location is the best. And when they do experiments on islands where the bees have no choices Mm -hmm. except for the man-made places, every single time they pick the best, most optimum spot to live in. Wow. And they're just a tiny little insect.
1: Oh, it's scary. <laughs> the more I learn about bees, it, you know, it, it, it's like you said, it's a cell. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's how it. You know, you've seen cells on television, how they split. Well, the bees are doing the same thing. Yep, they are. And they are. They are scary. amazing.
0: Just for oh, it just it blows my mind. So the reason they swarm is because. So they're okay. So they're the to do that reproductive split. That's how they they propagate their genetics. Mm-hmm. There's two ways on the cellular level. They have the drones, and the Mm -hmm. drones are carrying all of the queen's genetic information, which Mm -hmm. is all the stuff for that colony. And the drones go off and mate with other virgin queens, and that thereby spreads their colony's genetics. The second way is by doing that reproductive split and dividing the entire colony out Mm -hmm. to go make a new colony. Now, the things that trigger that, um, the season itself, it's usually April through June. Okay, that's when they swarm. Yeah, that's that's typically swarm season. Now, I've caught a swarm as early as February 1st. Wow. And they go as late as like October and November, mm-hmm. but swarms that go that late in the year or that early in the year usually are not going to necessarily make it because no. the food is not going to yeah. be there to support them building a new colony. Mm-hmm. So, but the it's usually April through June is kind of the peak swarm season. It's whenever your nectar flow really starts and then in our last episode we just talked about spring being on the way and flowers and how the nectar works. So, when that starts kicking off that's what actually triggers the swarming instinct in the bees. And they look at it, they go through, and they kind of take role. They say, okay, we've got a ton of bees, we've got a ton of food, and we're running out of space. It's getting cramped. So everything must be good. Let's go ahead and divide and split. And then that's when they actually start their whole proceedings on, okay, let's go. We're going to swarm. You know what they actually do to the queen?
1: <laughs> Boost her out?
0: No, well, kind of. Um Mom, you're fat. (laughs) And we're going to go on a trip and you need to lose some weight. Okay. So they actually cut back on her food and they start basically chasing her. They'll nip at her. They'll grab her leg and they'll shake her and they'll start chasing her around the colony. So they're not feeding her as much. They won't let her stop and lay eggs. So her egg production cuts down. And when that happens and they start running her around, she starts getting skinnier. And then she's a little bit lighter in weight, so she can fly easier. So they do this a few days in preparation of the swarming, so that when they all go to leave and they take mom with her, her fat little booty can come along. <laughs> get her in shape. I got to get her in okay. shape.
1: Now, I know you said uh, you already said there's no such thing as free bees. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I knew I knew bees swarm. So I've been making swarm traps. Uh huh. And let me tell you. That's the hardest damn thing ever. I, I was well, I, I, you know, you, I had seen in the online that you can make these, uh, you know, top bar hives out of barrels. So I said, well, I can make a swarm trap out of barrels. So I'd been doing all this and doing like you told me to make sure the bars are 19 inches across. And folks. Just buy a swarm trap. <laughs> Do not build a swarm trap. Now, I know there's places to buy a, bo- a swarm trap.
0: There are. Um, so if you want more of like a, across the United States type thing, I'm not, I honestly don't know if they ship internationally or not, mm-hmm. but there are two main distributors here in the U.S. that I use. One of them is Man Lake, and uh, you can find them online at, at the man is M-A-N-N, mm-hmm. lake limited or L-T-D dot com. And then the other one is Daydant, and it's like dad, ant, <laughs> D-A-D-A-N-T. And both of those, they're actually great options because if you purchase $100 or more, it's free shipping. It doesn't matter if you're buying an entirely completely assembled hive that's painted full of frames. Really? It's free shipping. They'll drop ship it to your house for free if it's over $100. So both of those are great options. They have literally everything you could need, including swarm traps. Um, they've got plastic versions. They've got ones that are like the, the recycled cardboard paper mache right. that are super light. Right. Um, so they do have those options. And then they also have the lures that you can put in there that mimic that Nazanov right. pheromone. Right. Um, many different varieties of that. So you can use lemongrass as your lure, mm-hmm. um, but they have the other stuff too. So yeah, you can absolutely go purchase that stuff. You can also, you know, if you're ingenious and you want to be smart with your money you can go and you can find repurposed material and build it but as you said it's not as easy no as it sounds and i would almost advocate um you probably would have been better off buying the wood and building it from wood yeah
1: (laughs) as far as simple i agree with you yeah but i've made two i've made i've made six let's say i made two big i didn't use the big barrels i used 35, 40-gallon barrel. Then the two uh, little ones I made, they're uh, four. Each one of them, let's see, the gray barrel probably holds 20 to 25. It'll hold 20 to 25 top bars. The smaller ones will hold 12 to 15. So I figure and I'm going to make them all traps. Now, the bigger ones, I'm going to put where... Our places over in Mason that we don't go as often.
0: Yeah, and since I how they have more room, they right. can stay longer, yeah. It's a great idea.
1: So I thought I'd use those there. And the smaller ones I'll use close to the house so I can check them once a week or every couple of weeks. But the ones in Mason, we go there pretty regular, but where I'm going to put them, you know, they can sit there for two or three months if we need to.
0: If, if absolutely yeah. had have to, yeah. Um, so... You have some pictures of that, actually. Oh we'll, yes, we'll I've post been, that on yeah. Instagram for people to go through and see the the kind of what he's talking about about the barrel and then mm-hmm. how he cut it in half and, and how he's been going through. So we'll we'll put that post out there so you guys can actually see those images <laughs> and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of fun, but the oh I, I lost my train of thought on that. Um, buy your bee traps. <laughs> Buy, buy you bee traps. <laughs> um, So I oh that's what I was going to say about your the picture. So I actually I brought you in comb today. Mm-hmm. And oh, I've got good. like top bars yeah. that actually have the comb already on it from oh, older good. hives and things when we have went and done stuff to them. So you can actually use that as a lure, yeah. a natural lure as well, to put it in the swarm traps. Because when the bee goes in and, and looks around, if it has something in there like wax mm-hmm. that already has the pheromones and the smell of mm-hmm. bees, that even makes it more attractive. Because now not only does it... Look like the right size and the right space, but it also has comb, so it smells like bees, and there's already furniture. Like, they can just move right in right. and take up shop. Right. So, I brought you some comb of that. I should have brought it in the studio, but I left it out in the truck. Oh, but, that's fine. Uh, But, yeah, so it you'll have that. That'll kind of help give you a jump start on that, too. So, um, so what we're talking about here, guys, basically, um, there's a couple of ways you can catch swarms. Um, Obviously, you in your area, you may check on Craigslist. Um, There's a lot of Facebook groups in the area Mm -hmm. that will have different swarm, like, actual chat rooms and forums. And people will go online and they'll say, hey, like, there's a swarm of bees at this intersection hanging off of this fence post or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can actually get with your local fire department and police department. You can talk to your county assessor, um, ag assessor, things like that, and let them know that you're interested in that or you're capable of going and getting them that's one way to kind of get your quote-unquote freebies and you can go and catch those swarms by basically just having a box obviously you want your suit and a veil um, and maybe a spray bottle of water don't put sugar in it don't watch that stuff you see online just Mm -hmm. water um, and turn it on mist And what you do is you come up to that cluster of bees that's hanging off of a tree limb or off of a fence or something, and you just lightly mist it, and that cool water kind of makes them condense. They they can gel down and like hang on to each other tighter, and then it makes them easier to kind of just scoop them off into the container. You can take a brush or your hand even and just kind of separate them from what they're hanging on. They fall down in your container. You close the lid, set it on the ground right below where they were at with Mm -hmm. just the lid barely propped open some of the bees will come up and they'll start fanning and they'll fan out that Nazanoff pheromone to the rest of the bees flying around mm-hmm. and tell them, mom's in here, we've got a safe container and they will all come down into that container and once they're all inside, shut the lid, close up the entrance, put it in your car, go home, put them in your beehive. <laughs> so that that's one way you can do that it. That easy. Yeah, yeah, it sounds easy, but you've got to find them. There's uh, there's certain times of the day that you're pretty much guaranteed they're going to be there. So Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning up until about 10 Mm a.m., they're not necessarily going to go anywhere. From 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., it's a Mm crapshoot. Literally, you can get a phone call. They say, hey, they're out there. You can call them every five minutes on your way. Are they still there? Yep, yep, they're still there. I'm looking at them, and you pull up, and there's no bees. And the person's like, oh, man, like two minutes ago, they just flew away. (laughs) But so as soon as they find that place and they've reached the consensus that it's a good place to be, if it's between that 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. window, they're gonna go. They're gonna go. Okay. And but now, if it's after 6 p.m., and that's sometimes what we'll do is if we get a call at three o'clock in the afternoon, we'll say, okay, well, call us back at six o'clock if they're still there. And if they are, we'll come out and get them because then it's, it's more guaranteed they're still gonna be in that spot. Um, but the other thing that you can do is what you have done. Instead of trying to literally run around and chase them and get there before they leave, mm-hmm. you can build a trap or a bait hive mm-hmm. to get them to come to you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a lot uh, more conserving of energy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only part I'm thinking about with these barrels, and I think it's, I should have bought my hive, my traps, the barrels, when I hang them up in the tree, you know, six to eight, ten feet above, Yeah. So it'll be hard getting them down. Yes. um, When
0: you do put up a bait hive, that is something you want to keep in mind. They recommend 15 foot in the air. Mm -hmm. Now, even something the size of like an owl box or like a um, nuke box. Yeah. A nuke. Yes. A five frame nuke box. If you took that and stood it on end, Mm -hmm. that's about the same size as an owl box. Mm -hmm. Even something that small, One person trying to carry that 10 foot up a ladder and screw it into a tree is a trick. And then coming down... It's going to be full of bees, and depending on how long it's been there, it's full of comb and full of honey. It's going to get heavier, yeah. and you've got to lift it back down. So the higher you can get it, the more appeasing it is to the bees and the higher quality of a site it is. But also you have to be careful, be safe for yourself, because you do have to yep. then somehow get, it, gotta back get down. it down. you got to get it
1: down. Yeah, that's for sure. You've yeah. got to get it down. One of those fun things yeah, of gravity. I thought, well, I'd just pull the bars out and just hand the bars down. No. I mean you could. You could. There's going to be a lot bark. of bees though that are going to just go back to that place.
0: Well, mm-hmm. you'll lose a lot of your foragers. Mm, no, no. Um, yeah. And that's the downside of gravity is cuz it it's going to come down one way or another. Mm-hmm. You just want it to come down controlled. Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. not kerplunk.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you can set the t- I guess you could set the top bar, pull all those bars out, put them in this one, and then just like you said with the with the swarm, you just they they Smell all the bees in there, and they'll go to that one. Yeah, well, sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it, well, d- we'll it just depends. If As long you get, the queens in there, we exactly. get the queen. That's the one we want. If
0: you get the queen and you put her in there, and then eventually, hopefully, they'll find it and go yeah. into it. Um, there's some swarms they call like a pancake swarm mm. because they're on the ground and they're just a mound of bees that have landed on the ground. A lot of times, <laughs> that is an indication that the queen is injured. Because they would prefer to be up high. They'd prefer to be in the tree or somewhere else. But if they are on the ground like that, they're super easy to catch. Take a box. Sometimes it doesn't even have to have anything in it. But if you've got an old bee box Mm -hmm. or you've got a piece of comb, Mm -hmm. put it in that box and set it down and scoot it up just right to the edge of that swarm. And the outer bees will immediately smell those pheromones and they'll turn and they'll start going in and they'll fan that pheromone and then all of the bees will just do this mass exodus, and it's like marching. They all just march straight into the box, and once they're all inside, you close it up. Wow. Well. That, that was something I tried to get on video. It took me over a year to get it on video, not because it's rare, but because every time I saw it, I was just so stunned Blow by away. how awesome it looked, and then they'd be like three-quarters of the way through, and I'd be like, oh, dang it, and I'd get my phone out and try to record it, but by then it was too late.
1: Now, you know, again... No such thing as free bees. Now, once you catch those bees, they got to go somewhere. What, that? <laughs> to, would you, especially here down south, would you be worried about that queen? Would you want to take that queen out and put a European queen in there? Uh,. Wow, there is the uh, the way
0: that I am supposed to answer this based on it. the master beekeeper and the Texas Apiary Inspection mm-hmm. Service. And then there's the other way that is the like the natural beekeeping approach. And mm-hmm. they both go both directions. So um, if you wanted to approach it from the responsible standpoint, here in a Southern area, anywhere mm-hmm. South of that Mason-Dixon line, we mm-hmm. have Africanized genetics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We are not allowed to knowingly or unknowingly or unwittingly propagate the Africanized genetics. Okay. All right? So I would have to say, yes, you need to take that queen out because, one, you don't know anything about her. You don't know if she's five years old and Mm -hmm. maybe not going to lay that well. You don't know if she's got any diseases that she's going to pass on Mm -hmm. to the young. You have no idea about her. So you want to take her out of there and you want to put in a new first year queen Mm -hmm. that has just been mated that can you know sustain the colony and you can track the lineage of. Now, the other side of that, the proponents to that are going to say, but... There may be good genetic attributes, even Africanized attributes, that we want to get into our bee stock. They're better hygienically. They're better at keeping uh, the varroa mite count down, things like that, or or fighting off some natural diseases. Right. So the other side of it could say, well, why don't you keep that queen and see how she does and see what the keep temperament for of the a colony year. is? Well, maybe maybe even Chicken just a clan. few months. Okay. You know, and if you find that that the whole colony is amazing, they seem to be building up well, awesome. And if you find that... They're not doing that great, or they got a you know crappy attitude. Well, mm-hmm. then get rid of her. So you could go either way with that. But yeah, if you have to buy a queen, not even counting shipping, you're looking but at between twenty five and thirty five dollars, mm-hmm. and then you throw on a live shipping cost to that, so they can overnight her to you. So there's a cost there yeah. um, on no you. Like you, you bought those barrels for a steal, oh, yeah. but you've spent hours and hours and days and days yeah, let me tell you. building these things out. Even if you go online and you buy a swarm trap, like you were saying, there's some out there that are just like thirty-five dollars. You yep. can buy a swarm trap, toss in another ten dollars for a lure that yep. lasts you for three months. Yep. Okay. Well, now you caught your bees. They're in something. Yep. But they can't live in that.
1: No, now you got to
0: have a beehive, and then you get into that cost. So that's mm-hmm. why I say there's no such thing as free bees. But um, for those of you who follow my Wicked Bee Apiary on Instagram you'll notice that I couldn't resist the urge and I did hang up a tiny little swarm box and I wrote over the entrance free bees because I got a kick out of it now
1: you you placed a, a bee trap out yeah where, where would you want to put your bee traps where do you want to put to catch the swarms moving
0: okay so if you have like a giant chunk of land look for something that's a landmark so say say you've got 20 acres of land that are mostly clear but there's one giant oak tree in the middle of it mm-hmm. and it sticks out like a sore thumb kind of Mm -hmm. thing, put it on that and put it as high as you safely can on a straight branch because you, you don't want it to lean Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. you're going to build actually kind of a stand for them. Right. Some people will do that where they'll build a stand on the Mm -hmm. tree and then they can level it, but you want it to be level. So, Mm -hmm. um, but that tree, you want your swarm trap to be Southern facing. You want it to be shaded, but you don't necessarily want it to be in a damp area. So the shading comes from like the canopy of the tree if you, if you can, um, and you have it up in that area. The bees also use landmarks when they're doing their navigation and stuff, and if it's something that's easily spotted, it's going to be easier for them to find. Mm -hmm. So if they can see it and they can see the tree and they go looking around and then they they explore that entrance, that entrance needs to be, again, three inches or smaller Mm -hmm. in opening. And preferably, a, if you're going to use a circle, it's better to have something that kind of partially obscures it so that mice and birds can't get in it to right. use it as a birdhouse. Yeah, three inches. Um, the, the, yeah, you, you yeah, you can do a slit. You can do a three-inch long slit okay. that's only, you know, maybe three-quarter, three-eighths of an inch yeah. or something tall. Um, you can do something like that. But it needs to be big enough. The queen can get her fat little booty in mm-hmm. there. And then the interior volume If you're looking at like a a nuke box, that's more like five-gallon size. Yep. So you could use a nuke box. That would be the smallest that's a five-frame Langstroth nuke. Um, Or, again, about the size of an owl box. Right. That's the smallest you should do. Or you can do a 10-frame, a full-sized hive box. That would be the perfect size. Now, when you're doing the top bar, um, look at it as... Well, I've had them move into a box as small as eight bars, but I would say like a box that would hold at least 12 bars, Right. so at least a foot and a half in length, um, and then up from there, really. And like you said, if you're putting it in a place where you can't get to but maybe once a month,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: build it a little bit bigger so if they move in the first of the month, they've got plenty of room to expand until you get back out there to get them.
1: Yep. And now, once you've caught your bees, should you holler at a beekeeper like yourself would you do that or would you just, okay, got my bees. Now let's pull them down. We'll move them over in that, that, bee, that, that hive over there and we're happy. <laughs> um,
0: I think it's going to depend on your situation. If you have another beekeeper in your area Mm -hmm. who is willing to mentor you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, if you're just getting started now, obviously if you've been doing this for a while, yeah, no, take your bees, put them in your hive. You know what to do, but if not, and you, you're like, I want to get started and this is how I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I've bought or built a hive and now I'm catching a swarm of bees. Now what? If that's the case, I would say, try to find somebody in your area who can mentor you, who will come out when you're taking that down, help you get it down help you find the queen, identify the different aspects of what's going on in that colony, the brood, the food, and all that, and help you transfer that into your hive, because you learn a lot through that process, right. and then they can say, this is a drone, this is a drone, this is a drone, that's the queen.
1: Now, if you had a hive that, say, they uh, bees had worked in it, and you did have, you have comb, you have honey, you have everything in there, but the, the, the Say the queen died and it went... Collapsed out. Yeah. yeah. It, it, could you put that swarm into there?
0: You can. Um, my only thing would be, why did it die? If it okay. is Like, say yeah. if, if you I'd accidentally squished the queen yeah. and it was a time of year where there were no eggs or something mm-hmm. and that's what caused it to, to fail, then, yeah, if you know that there's no disease there, mm-hmm. but if it was some sort of disease or virus or bacteria or fungus that actually killed okay. out the colony... Okay. If you put a new swarm in there, they may do fine, but they're going to immediately inherit that same disease and then they could crash out as well. So it all it all comes back to knowing what has actually happened to the colony. Um, that's kind of the best thing that you can do on that. But swarms are fun. I, I mean, uh, oh, they are. It's yeah. like Pokemon, you know, go oh, out there yeah. and catch them. Yeah. Gotta catch Get, them all. Catch you,
1: swarm. Have fun. And, uh, what are we going to be talking about next? Well,
0: uh, I thought we would go through and we would do an update oh, on okay. uh, the status of the podcast of okay. the Hive Jive. So first and foremost, we're going to give a shout out to Max. Max. Max is a 13-year-old new beekeeper from Ohio who's hey, just congratulations. getting started. And uh, sent us an email to let us know how much they love the show and had a few questions. And so we had some correspondence back and forth there. So thanks for listening, Max. We appreciate it. Love that. We also are going to give a shout out clear across this ocean to Australia. <laughs> Does Um, the commode go the wrong direction when y'all flush? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to them, it's probably the right direction. So, who's to say, kid? Ours goes the wrong way. Oh, maybe it Um, is. But yeah, so uh, over in Australia, we have uh, the Instagram handle Mel McGill. And Mel reached out to us to say that uh, they're a fairly new beekeeping, backyard beekeeping family, and they have a flow hive. Wow. And they thoroughly enjoy it, and they enjoy listening to the show. And she uh, wanted to just. Give us a shout out and say, hey, and say, keep up the great talking and keep the information flowing, quote-unquote. Um, so, so shout-out back to Mel McGill. We appreciate the, the information and the feedback, and anytime you guys have questions, if you have listener questions, if you just want to say, great job, um, or if you want to do like uh, one of our listeners in San Antonio who wanted to point out that the last time I did this update on the states and the counties and mm-hmm. countries, um, I said, born Texas. And it's, it's Bernie! It's actually Bernie, Texas. You from? Where are you from? Not from from Bernie, Texas, apparently.
1: <laughs> so, um,
0: but yeah. So, anything if you want to reach out to us, you can always get us if it's Instagram or Facebook. It's at the Hive Jive. Uh, you can also visit our website, thehivejive.com or hivejivepodcast.com. Both of those go to the mm-hmm. same place. You can always shoot us an email at info at com. Those are the best ways to get a hold of us if you have listener questions. And so to go back here and take a look at our top 10 countries and top 10 cities, mm-hmm. number one for the countries, obviously the United States is currently the, oh, yeah. the top listening for us. Mm-hmm. And now, thanks
1: to people like... Mel McGill. Australia is number two. Uh, Mel, I got to know one thing. When you're in, standing on the ground, does your blood go to your head? Because <laughs> you're upside down, right? Oh, <laughs>
0: these poor people. <laughs> You do know Ken's a Texas redneck, right? Right, So, yeah. you know, <laughs> a red headed mutt. He fits in with the bees. Um, so, Australia is number two. The United Kingdom comes in third. Norway is fourth. Canada is fifth. Spain, New Zealand, Argentina, Denmark, Goodness and gosh. Germany round out the top 10. So, that's the top 10 countries. The top ten cities: hometown Austin, Texas. Okay, that uh, worked. They, they better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we're sitting right here in yeah. Phil doing the radio. <laughs> so, um, Houston, Texas comes in second. Washington, D.C., Philadelphia. Charlotte, North Carolina Ashburn, Virginia Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania New York, New York Nashville, Tennessee and Murfreesboro, Tennessee rounds out the top 10 U.S. cities so that like it just I get a kick out every time I once yeah. a week I go in and I look at the stats and then I do like little happy dance <laughs> Do you a little B dance? I do a little B dance I do a little waggle dance shake my booty um, I go around and I just and then usually I shoot you a whole bunch of text messages <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well you know it, this is what's a so fun we we're enjoying this so much uh, The you know working with bees and doing it i'm learning you've been doing it forever uh and so that's what's fun about about beekeeping and that's what the reason people need to get into it because it is fun it is it's a blast i mean and there are places out
0: there where say you live in an apartment and you're fascinated with bees but you can't necessarily have them yourself There are organizations like find a local beekeeping organization, because a lot of them nowadays, there's been a big push towards like youth mentoring and getting our youth involved. Mm -hmm. And they may have a club apiary where that kid who lives in an apartment could actually have a beehive and have it at the club apiary and be taught beekeeping by mentors and peers of beekeeping. And so, you know don't cut yourself short, you know, don't sell yourself mm-hmm. short. If you're in a place where you think you can't do it, there may be options out there. So if you're interested and you have a passion for it and you're
1: curious about it, go out there and find your yeah. local place and learn about it. Uh, I know with <laughs> what I've been looking online, New Mexico has a great the association. I they know Texas do. here. Now, you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm.
0: I have a connection to New Mexico. Uh, okay. Les Crowder used to be one of the presidents over beekeeping and things mm-hmm. in New Mexico and, and over some of the, uh, several of the different clubs, and he's also been in California. He's mm-hmm. traveled the world. Les is going to be coming in, and we're going to be doing a special interview episode with Les Crowder. He is the author of Top Bar Beekeeping. And He's so, the guy that made the barrel. He is the guy that I've been telling you about yeah. that, that made the barrel. And then he's done all these other top bar hive projects and stuff. So we're going to have Les come in and do an interview with us. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, he is a wealth of information. He has been keeping bees longer than I have been alive. <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you how long uh, that is, but it's a long time.
1: Uh, well, bees have been here since uh, 1622. Yeah. That's definitely longer than I've been alive. <laughs> <So> anyway, <laughs> no freebies. No such thing as freebies, guys. You can, oh, there is some. No, we won't get into that. I just thought of something I read, but I won't talk. No. We'll talk about that later. You'll get us all in trouble. Yeah, we will. Something you saw online. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's why it's so fun Get into bees. I mean, With what I I, I've always wanted to do it, but the more I learn, I mean, who would have thought they're like a cell? Uh, they split. They 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 become more. They they so it's a great representation for biology. Oh it is. I mean you go in and you
0: learn about these things inside our own bodies, but then you see this Super organism that functions the same way, yeah, right? And you can look at it from a different perspective, and you're like,
1: "Oh, I get it. That's how that works. That's so cool." And then you find out that the queen has her little harem that makes <laughs> that takes harem. well, maybe not a harem, but her little bunch that that <clears> that <throat> takes care of her. And then, well, once the drones have been raised and and they all fly off, and then they come back, they go kill the hell out of them because <laughs> the queen has been bred and she's good for five years. Oh, so this is. What we're finding out—no such thing as freebies, guys. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> I'm not even going to touch any of that. Uh, Let's
0: don't. <laughs>
1: I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs>
0: uh, well, we appreciate you guys listening and joining us for another bonus episode. And uh, as I said, we've got you know great interviews on the way. We've got more information on the way, and we'll go ahead and we'll wrap this one up. And we will catch you next time on our regular episode of The Hive Jive.